Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Three is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Pelicans and Saints fans. And greetings today from San Francisco, California. Sean Kelly with you from the Pelicans Team Hotel. The Pelicans arrived in the Bay Area last night about 7.30 local time. And today they will practice and get ready for game one tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA's Western Conference playoffs. Boy, it's exciting. And the Pelicans are focused and ready to go. And we will help preview game one here on today's Black and Blue Report podcast. Tim Roy of the Golden State Warriors will be here to give us the Warriors perspective. We'll also turn our attention to the NFL draft once again here on this Friday as our series continues and takes us to pick number eight, Oh, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, we'll talk Falcons football today, the Saints arch rival, and to help us do that will be D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. But uh, as we like to do on Fridays, we give you the encore performance of head coach Monty Williams with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he had his radio show last night as the Pelicans uh, landed here in uh, San Francisco, and we talked about how the regular season ended, the thrilling win over San Antonio, and uh, we looked ahead to the NBA playoffs, the first appearance here for the Pels since Monty's first year in the 2010-11 season. So with that, we're going to get right into that interview with head coach Monty Williams, and we'll begin this podcast with the head coach getting ready for the Golden State Warriors. The uh, second season is set to begin, and we're very, very glad to speak with head coach Monty Williams. Good things are happening, coach. We're visiting on this Thursday night, as you said we would be, heading into the NBA's Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, it's a, um, a pretty cool time for us. Um, been through so much the last few years, but especially the last month and a half, trying to you know, take it one game at a time, but understanding that we had some goals in mind that um, we wanted to achieve. Um, we got the winning record, and uh, we were in a big-time playoff uh, run to get the eighth spot and um, much respect to Oklahoma City and Phoenix. Um, those two teams didn't make it and, you know, fortunately for us, we um, 
went 3-1 against OKC and who would have known back then that the shot that Anthony hit on their floor to win the game would be such an important moment in Pelicans history. So a lot of emotions last night uh, for our team and um, really cool for our fans to be a part of uh, history in the making for this organization and Mr. Benson and Mrs. B being a part of it and having everybody on the floor. It was it was a really cool time and I'm just thankful that um, our guys played their butts off against the defending champs and I think we went went into this thing the right way. And with all that going on, I couldn't help but watching your wife Ingrid and the kids come down. Uh, that might have been my my most uh, favorite moment there at the, immediately following the end of the game, Coach. Yeah, it was a um, it was a cool time for me. Um, you know, I, I got emotional uh, because of it was my family, and not many times in your career do you get to share um, sports moments that are really important to us as competitors with your family and do it on your home floor and. Uh, just watching my kids, they, they're so you know, oblivious to all this stuff because they, my wife does such a good job of keeping them in, in line. And um, my little son Micah was in the back still, um, and my wife ran back to get him, and he was in front of the TV screaming, you know, that's my dad, that's my dad. <laughs> and um, when I first got here, man, he um, – you know, had some difficulties in delivery, and he, you know, he was close to losing his life. And um, to see him now, you know, at the age of four, screaming out, that's my dad, on the night where we clinched to go into the playoffs, uh, that, that, you know, all those things get to you a little bit, man. My kids have grown up here, and um, they've been through a lot. Based on my job, I mean, they—I chose to come here. Come here, my kids didn't, and so it was cool for them to have a good time instead of listening to some of the weird things that people have to say about their father. <laughs> they got a chance to see their dad <laughs> in a good place with the team. Coach, there was a video taken of of your time with your players finally in the locker room after the win last night, and uh, as of two o'clock this afternoon, it had been viewed online over seventy-eight thousand times. Um, which I thought was phenomenal, but you referenced in there something that you and I have talked about on the show quite a bit over the last year, and that is the pounding of the rock. Yeah. And uh, to, to, I guess, recap for those who have, don't remember that conversation, you've been working with your players about the old story about pounding the rock and, and, and how stone workers may not know when or which strike it will be, but eventually if you keep pounding away at it, the job will get done. Coach, did I hear you say last night that you feel like the rock has started to crack in a significant way? Yeah, it has. Um, we've relied on that that poem. It's a poem that I got, um, ironically, from Pop uh, in San Antonio. It's a, um, a, a poem that they rely on. Um, it brings back a ton of memories for me because it's easy to get caught up in the moment when you have a goal that you've achieved, but the poem kind of sets the tone for the process and what you have to go through to get better. Um, you know, if I could find it, I, I would read it to you, but I, I'm doing a bad job of, of finding it. But it, it, it's, um, 
it's something that I kind of, you know, live by. You know, sometimes if I, being a Christian, if I hit guys with Bible verses, they, they think I'm preaching to them or trying to <laughs> uh, evangelize. So you try to find different ways to get them to think about the process. And, you know, when you're pounding that rock, um, sometimes you may hit it and it may not even move. I mean, blow after blow after blow, but that's what practice is. That's what games are. That's what film session is. We call it the grind. And um, it starts to crack, and it, it's not that hit that cracked it. It's every hit that had gone before. And it's a pretty cool poem for parents to teach their kids about life, coaches to talk to their kids about the process and the journey. And um, our guys, um, they have copies of it. We're going to go over it again today, but it's, it was a cool moment in our locker room. I, I, sometimes I forget the cameras are always on, so... Fans have to forgive my attempt at dancing last night, but it was it was fun to let your guard down a little bit and enjoy a, a cool time with the players. Did it mean more that it was against San Antonio, or is that just another um, detail in 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 an otherwise bigger story? It was tougher um, because it was San Antonio. Like appropriate to you know win against the defending champs, but you're talking about um, people that I love and care deeply about in Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, Tim Duncan. Um, I've been around those guys for the past 20 years of my life, and they've been a big part of who I am as a person and a coach. And so they just, they're just family. And so when you, when you win against them and, and they move down the spot or a few spots and, you know, we advance, it's, it's tough. You know, you're happy, but at the same time, you don't feel good about what happened to them. Now, you, you could easily say, well, coach, they got five championships, but that's, that's not the point. Um, Greg Popovich took a chance on me, and R.C. Buford took a chance on me and, you know, molded me and showed me things that nobody else would show me and helped me be become a head coach along with Nate McMillan. And so from that standpoint, man, it, it was it was it was difficult and it's it's a weird deal the first phone call i get this morning is pop really it's unreal i mean they 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 are the classiest people you're ever going to be around um tim text me last night text me this morning you know they just they get it they understand um this is a grind they understand all the criticism um merited or unmerited criticism they understand what we go through, and you know, for me to be at my age, doing what I'm doing, they, they've really helped me throughout this process, and it's a good thing. That's head coach Monty Williams from his radio show last night, the Monty Williams Show on WWLFM. We'll take a quick break, and we'll give you part two of that conversation. The time is now for you to be a part of something special. All-star Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans have taken it to another level, and we want you to be on board for even bigger things to come next season. Pelican season ticket holders score the best seat locations, best ticket prices, discounts on concessions, merchandise, and much more. Plus, become a Pelican season ticket holder now to receive preferred access to Pelicans playoff tickets. Call 525-HOOP and get your Pelicans tickets today. 
At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Still to come on this edition of the Black and Blue Report, Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors, and D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll talk uh, NFL draft with regard to the Atlanta Falcons uh, coming up. Let's get back into our conversation with Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, part two of his interview last night during the Monty Williams radio show. Coach, uh, 45 wins and, and now into the Western Conference playoffs. Your team has, has, has broken through now on a couple of different levels. If, if I could ask you for the number one reason why they've been able to do it, that's um, a tough question, I know, but what would it be as you, as you sit here on the eve of game one? Man, I, I couldn't pinpoint it to just one thing, um, but if, if, if I had to say one particular thing, and, and we all have it and we all kind of take it for granted, um, our team has a, a level of faith in God and the opportunities that he gives us. You know, some of our guys may not speak about their faith. They may not talk about it because it's, for some people it can get weird. But every day, you know, we pray as a staff. Every game we pray before we go out and when we finish, no matter what the outcome. And I think it gives us a, a level of perspective that, you know, we're doing the best we can. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But when it does work out, we know that um, we should be thankful. And I think that has brought us through a lot of tough times. Um, we've been blessed with really good guys. There's one walking towards us right now, maybe the best player in the NBA. But all of our guys are just phenomenal in that respect. And they just they, they have a deep sense of faith in each other, our system, but they also know that they've been blessed to be here. Coach, your win against Golden State at the Smoothie King Center a week ago this past Tuesday, obviously was yet another number in your pursuit of this 45 wins and to get in the playoffs. But does a win that most recently against the team that you're going to face in the playoffs give you, uh, give you something, juice maybe, uh, going into a matchup against the number one seed? I think it does. Um, I think it, for me, like our first year we went to the playoffs, we played the Lakers, we, hadn't, we couldn't beat them one time, you know, and we didn't beat them until the playoffs. And we went into that series, like, with a lot of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some doubt, just part of being a competitor and watching basketball the way that, we, you know, it's just part of being an athlete. But I, I do feel like playing against them and winning the way that we won um, gives us some confidence going forward. And I, I think the way that they, you know, they made mention that they were going to go after that game um, gave our guys confidence to know that they didn't just sit their guys and, you know, they got 60-plus wins. We'll see whoever in the playoffs. They, they went after the game, and so we ended up winning that game. I think our guys have gained a level of confidence. And I think the way that we won, we, there was a couple of things that we wanted to do to try to sh- not shut them down, but try to contain them. They're a great offensive team, a great defensive team, 
and we, you know, we, we talked about a couple of things that we wanted to do as far as transition defense and, you know, trying to play smart on offense and sharing the ball, especially against their switches. So I think there's a level of confidence. At the same time, they have more experience than we have in the playoffs. Um, so we got to make up for that um, with great poise, understanding who we are. Um, when you look at our end of season numbers, we improved in so many areas. Good playoff teams take their regular season and either stay there or raise that bar. And so we have to do that to be successful. Let's not be naive, because I think you just alluded to this. That team is crazy good. They're the number one seed for a reason. Um, are there any teams in particular that did well against them this year? It doesn't seem like there are many who did, but um, not, not steal, but perhaps um, be inspired by somebody else's ability to, as you said, contain them in some way or make them uncomfortable. Um, has has that study produced anything? Yeah, the Spurs did. Yeah. They, they, for whatever reason, uh, won their series against Golden State. And um, we actually learned a lot from the Spurs before we played Golden State. And uh, Pop talked to me about a few things that we can do to help our chances against them. Um, he actually did it in an interview, and I just happened to be listening, and we tried those things. Um, now, are we the Spurs? No, but that doesn't mean we can't do the things that are Spur-like you know, or Spurs-like. Mm -hmm. And um, we've tried to implement some of those things in our attack, um, and we are, we're going to talk about them um, every day as we go through this series. So not many teams had success against Golden State at 60 I don't know how many wins they have, 60 63, 64, <laughs> 60 <a lot. laughs> 65 wins. Um, they're a special group. Uh, they, they've been well coached. Um, we have great respect for them. Um, I had one of the best basketball conversations with Ron Adams, who runs their defense, and Alvin Gentry is a basketball lifer. And I spent the summer with Clay and Steph. So, uh, you know, there's so many connections uh, I coached. Jaron Collins in Portland. Um, so those, you have a lot of respect for what they've done and who they are. And um, we, we have to play really good basketball to compete at a high level. Coach, last question. This is your second time as a head coach in the playoffs. Anything that you want to do differently or perhaps even copy from your first trip to the playoffs as a head coach? I think I'm more prepared now. Um, so many things that, that I didn't really care much about that are important. Uh, logistics, uh, when we practice, where we practice, um, how to set some things up for guys at the hotel. So they, you know, all those things are really important. When you're a rookie coach, everything's like you're going at, you know, airplane speed on the highway and everything's flying by you and you just want to get to the game. Now I feel like I'm uh, a little bit more mature, uh, depending on who you talk to, but I feel like I'm more savvy. I know how to delegate better. Um, Randy has been huge, Randy Ayers, in helping me to see things that I need to see. And as far as playing the game, um, you know, I, I, I'm 100% positive I'm a better coach than I was my first year. And so I think all those things will help us, Lord willing. Coach, congratulations on a job well done and a job still to be done. Appreciate the visit, and we're looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, thank you, bro. And, and even though we've uh, made this playoff run and achieved our goal as an organization, please don't forget the good people down at the mission, the New Orleans mission, Covenant House, Second Harvest, any 
um, organization in our great city that is um, doing a great work for those who are less fortunate than um, myself and the people listening. If you have any spare change, uh, send it down to those people. You can get online, New Orleans Mission, Covenant House, Second Harvest. Uh, if you got 10 cents, a dollar, 20 bucks, um, those people can put that money to great use. So we're happy to be in the playoffs, but we're mindful that there are a lot of people in our city that need help, and hopefully we can be a part of that solution. And so with that, we're off to the uh, practice facility, and the Pelicans will practice one more time today before getting set to take on the Warriors in Game 1 tomorrow afternoon. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, look at the Warriors and talk with Tim Roy, the voice of the number one seed in the West, in just a moment. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir? I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, we've heard from head coach Monty Williams here on this Friday. Now let's talk uh, Let's talk on the other side of the fence, if you will, and uh, take us uh, up to Napa Valley where we find the voice of the Golden State Warriors, Tim Roy, as uh, both the Pelicans and the Warriors in their last uh, preparations before game one tomorrow afternoon at Oracle Arena. Tim, I feel like I just saw you the other day. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> so... It's uh, it, it's it's great though. I think I think um, I think it's a, it's a it's a really intriguing matchup, and I think it's great to have two of the rising young stars in this league. You know, get a little chance to showcase and and um, and to show how they fit in with their respective teams. I mean, you know, when you talk about Steph Curry and Anthony Davis, these are two guys. As you know, LeBron James gets older, these are two guys I think that can carry the torch for this league. No doubt, uh, you know, you love where they are with the regard to their age, with regard to the development. Um, you know, Curry got my vote for MVP. I couldn't deny what he had done all season long in conjunction with the success of the Warriors. Uh, but, you know, uh, Davis is going to be in that conversation too uh, very shortly, if not uh, within, <laughs> within months. So I, I think you're dead on there, and I think that's going to be a treat for us in covering this series. Um, certainly, what do you want to take away from the regular season matchups between these two teams, if anything at all? Well, I, I think the one area about the regular season matchup uh, that I would uh, kind of look at is the fact that the Pelicans were banged up a couple of times the Warriors played them. And I think that, that this last game, I think the last couple of games, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, I think the Pelicans are finding out a little bit more about who they are and, and what they can be. You know, whether or not that manifests itself this year in this postseason remains to be seen. But but the two games I'm looking at were the game against the Warriors, where 
It was a game the Warriors didn't have to have, obviously, but it was a game the Pelicans needed, and they fought hard, and they won. And then the, the final game of your regular season, how impressive was that? A win over San Antonio. You know, San Antonio is San Antonio. I don't think they really care who they play, but but still, they needed that game. They would much rather be the two-seed than the six-seed. And so for the Pelicans to win that, uh, I, I was very, very impressed with that win, and I think it's something the Warriors should be wary about. But as far as the regular season, you know, Steve Kerr came out yesterday and said, you know what, it doesn't matter. We're at zero and zero right now, and that's all he's trying to focus his team on is right now. But I think the, the matchups for this series are intriguing, and I think the size of the Pelicans could be a real hassle for Gold State. What concerns could the Warriors possibly have after what they did to most everybody they played this season, Tim? Well, I think I think you're always concerned. I think there, there's a cautionary tale here, and, and, and granted it was not as dominating a season as what the Warriors just put through. But remember, the you know, I had a first-row seat there for the 06-07 Dallas Mavericks, who were 67-15. and 15. And the Warriors came in and and totally shook that series up, and and one of the, I think it's the biggest upset in NBA playoff history when you consider it, an eight team that barely got to 500, barely got into the playoffs, and that to be a 67 win team, uh, that was that was incredible. So I think I and granted nobody with the Warriors right now was anywhere close to that, so they have no reference point to that. It's not really relevant. But it, it just shows that it can happen. And so I think that's the, I think the, the concern for the Warriors is to, to play at their level. If they play at their level, I think they'll be fun. And I think that that's the, the, the whole message for Golden State would be play at your level. And I think if you do that, then I think the track record of the regular season will show that you know, you'll, you'll be okay and put yourself in a very good position to win the series. And I think the other thing about the NBA, it's in terms of um, playoff series, it's probably the, the toughest league for, for underdogs in this, in this sense, in the fact that you have to beat a team four times. And that means the Orleans would have to win one at Oracle, where they've lost only twice all year long. And, and I, I just think that's very hard to do unless you're a team that has you know, a playoff pedigree and a, you know, a number of rings. Does this game... Uh... This in the, not this game, but the series, Tim, uh, does it have length to it, or is this something that Golden State can dispatch rather quickly? You know, I, I think that it remains to be seen, but I, I would not be shocked if it, if it has a little length to it. It's the playoffs, and things change, and, and, and you know, matchups get exploited, and, and uh, you know, the, the Pelicans have Anthony Davis. And I think any time you have a, you know, a guy that you could legitimately say is a top-five player in this league, uh, you know things can things can turn quickly, and so I, I think I think the Warriors have a chance to, to make it a quick series. But I I, I wouldn't be shocked if we're sitting here uh, on the uh, Black and Blue uh, podcast, you know, getting ready for you know a game game six or or, or whatever it might be. I, I I think you know it's the playoffs, and you never know what's going to happen in a series till you actually start playing it. I think Andrew Bogut's a huge story here. Tim, what has made him so good defensively this year? Health. You know, he's a, he's a great defensive player. And when he's healthy and when he's on the floor, he did miss some games uh, with some knee, knee issues this year. But when he's healthy and on the floor, he is vocal. 
he's really, really smart. Uh, there was a play, oh boy, it had to be back a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about on the radio broadcast where he was directing traffic, and uh, he didn't want to play in this one particular pick and roll because he wanted to stay back and protect the basket. So he kind of took Draymond Green and kind of shoved him up there and dropped back into Draymond's man. And, you know, that's how intelligent he is. He's able to read a situation really quickly, realize, you know, what's going to happen and react to it. And I think that's, that to me is why he's, he's so good. He, he knows, he knows the game. He has intelligence and then he has an incredible knack for, uh, for timing on blocks. He kind of gives the, the guy driving that little half-step advantage, and the guy thinks, oh, I got him, I can get to the rim. And then all of a sudden, there's Bogut, and he knocks it away. And I'm, I'm shocked, uh, to be honest with you, how many times guys take the ball to him at the rim thinking, well, I'm going to score with this guy. I mean, he's, he's just shown he's been able to protect the rim all year long. And, and he's also key on the offensive end, too, because, as you know, Sean, he plays the high post. And he facilitates for Curry and Thompson with handoffs and passes and screens. And, and that's a big part of what they like to do offensively. Give me an X factor. I, I think, and, I, and the reason I say that is this, I think, as we've mentioned, the stars in this series are going to shine. Uh, they're up to the task here. So obviously in a seven-game series, there's going to be some kind of an X factor. What will that be, you think? I think it's going to be uh, for... I think I think it's really going to be that if if there are guys on 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 either squad who contribute in a big way that that maybe you wouldn't expect, uh, or so I'll give you the next factor for Golden State when Harrison Barnes and Andre Iguodala are aggressive offensively and they're scoring, it's really hard to beat the Warriors this year because then you've got four guys now. Now you got Curry, you got Thompson, you got these two guys. Draymond Green can knock down a couple of threes. He can he can score a little bit on his drives. So all of a sudden you're trying to guard the entire half court, and that's hard to do. And so if those guys are aggressive offensively, I think the Warriors will have a great series. I think on on the Pelican side, probably some production. You know, if Pondexter plays like he did in New Orleans against Golden State, that's an extra body, that's an extra guy you got to account for there. Um, so guys like that also having Holiday back, I and mean, that's that's huge. There was a, a little talk about. Um... A scrimmage. <laughs> the, uh, the I guess uh, some of the Warriors had told the Pelicans they, they viewed their last game against the Pelicans as a scrimmage, which didn't sit well with New Orleans. Um, what was the reaction on the Golden State side to uh, to that comment or or the uh, oh, I guess the feeling the Pelicans had about it? Andrew Bogut said it got way overblown because if you think about it, for the Warriors that was a game that they you know they they had this series of games uh, coming down the stretch where all you wanted to do was run, them, run players out there, get them a good run so they stay in rhythm, hopefully nobody gets hurt, and you move on because there was really nowhere for the Warriors to go. They couldn't go back down. They weren't going to finish in the second spot. They clinched home court. They clinched home court overall. Uh, so they were just you know trying to get through these games to get to game one. And so I think if they were in the locker room, from what I heard, it was a, you know, just a little bit of a – uh, joke, let's go, we got a scrimmage today, that kind of thing, and then it got mm-hmm. overblown. I, I don't, you know, I, if, if it, it was bulletin board material for that game and the Pelicans used it, well, that, that that's great. But I don't think, you know, a comment like that is going to be something 
that that will you know flourish over a seven game series. I, I yeah, neither do I. Yeah, I just think. Yeah. And and you know what? It, stuff gets said. You know, I, I you know everybody everybody in this league at one point says something they regret or says something stupid at the wrong time, and and so you know I I, think, I just think it was kind of a joke to kind of, kind of overblown. No doubt, and I think you're right about a seven-game series. We're going to talk about different storylines on Monday than we'll talk about here today about Saturday's game. Um, <laughs> this is not the NCAA. This is not one and done. Right, and that, that's, that, that's why I was getting my point before. I think the NBA, uh, you know, a seven-game series in the NBA is hard. It's hard to win four games against a really good team. And that, that's the, the scary thing about the West is that, you know, you're playing a really good team in each and every series just to get to the finals. So that, to me, any team from the West in the last 10 years that's gotten to an NBA Finals, that, that's an unbelievable season. That's a season that should be celebrated, win or lose in the finals, because it's, uh, it's just so hard to get there. The teams are so good, and, and uh, you know, you go from the Pelicans to the Clippers and the Clippers to the Rockets and James Harden, and then you got the Grizzlies, and if they're healthy, they're, they're a handful. Then you got, the, let's not forget the, that team in San Antonio that everybody has to go through. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous how tough the West is. Tough and fun for guys like you and me, and it all starts tomorrow. Tim, I can't wait to see you tomorrow at Oracle Arena. It's going to be, a, I think, a fun start to the whole thing. And by the way, by the way, yes, how lucky are you and I that we're in, we're in the series with, we have the best food in the NBA series. There's no question about that. I think, you know, if you, if you could find a bad meal in San Francisco and New Orleans, you're, you're looking way too hard. So. Um, yeah, maybe we should track uh, pounds gained <laughs> over the next two weeks. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not do that, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, that's our little pack that we'll uh, we'll start here today, since I, I abused it already last night. So, <laughs> Tim, uh, we'll see you at the uh, at the arena tomorrow. And uh, and for folks back in New Orleans, uh, it'll be a mid afternoon start. You and I will be having brunch before the game, and I look forward to seeing you. Amen. Tim Roy, voice of the Golden State Warriors, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll uh, take our attention over to the NFL Draft, and we'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons at number eight when we come back. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here on this Friday, we'll uh, continue our draft series uh, up with the upcoming NFL draft. And really, I mean, literally right around the corner. We're uh, going to stop at number eight 
here this uh, Friday and talk Atlanta Falcons football. And uh, to help us do that, we welcome back D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Daryl, good to talk to you again. It has been a heck of an offseason for the Falcons, hasn't it? Oh, yes, it has, Sean. We saw uh, a lot of activity uh, with regards to the front office or, or have, have seen a lot of activity. And then also uh, a new restructured operation that the Falcons will be uh, moving forward with. The uh, ownership allowed uh, Coach Dan Quinn to uh, have some of the uh, jurisdiction over the roster. And also Scott Pioli was added into the mix as the assistant general manager uh, to uh, help Thomas Dimitrov. So uh, restructure, a new coaching staff, new schemes on offense and defense. Uh, it's been pretty hectic here in Atlanta. Darrell, what, what do you think the immediate impact of all those changes? I mean, we're talking about significant philosophical changes. What will we see probably right away with regard to the – the way the Atlanta Falcons look and play? Well, I think, uh, you know, there's generally a transition period uh, for, for these type of material changes, but they, uh, you know, were able to successfully do that in 2008 uh, when they brought in Smith, Dimitrov, and uh, were coming up the Bobby Petrino year, and uh, it kind of went seamless. That's kind of the top end. That's the perfect picture uh, you hope to uh, have. Uh, when you bring in a new coach and a new regime. Uh, but we all know that doesn't necessarily happen uh, uh, when you're making so many fundamental and material changes in the way you're going to play. Uh, the natural thing is a transition period. Uh, you know, But that's uh, uh, difficult when you have a 29-year-old quarterback uh, who's set to enter his prime, and to kind of say you're rebuilding a little bit is uh, – uh, going to be difficult here in the current new NFL. Yeah, no doubt. Good point there. Um, so with that in mind, um, what was the trend during free agency? Um, did you see some kind of a theme there um, as they set themselves up then for the uh, amateur draft? Yeah, it seemed like they uh, were taking uh, veterans who were um, you know, middle-of-the-road guys who could contribute kind of maybe overvaluing what was already on the roster. Uh, they didn't go out and get a tight end. Uh, uh, Julius Thomas was available. Then, then they signed a bunch of old, uh, uh, you know, tight ends. Tony Moriaki, who can't stay healthy, and Jacob Tammy, who's, uh, you know, uh, a decent guy, but he's 30. So uh, don't know what they were thinking there. They added a bunch of defenders, but no top-line guys, unless you want to call – Brooks Reed, a top-line guy, uh, and Justin Durant, another kid who has a, uh, a high ceiling but has been injured a lot. So I don't know what they really, have, um, you know, got Adrian Claiborne, a guy who also has injury concerns coming from Tampa. Uh, they signed a lot of the sick and the wounded uh, around the league and they seem to be hoping that their medicals work out and they're healthy this year and can, can contribute. So, I don't really know if they uh, got a lot of help, but they uh, they certainly signed a lot of players that uh, you know may have an upside, uh, you know, and could be able to help them certainly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, heading into the draft, Sean, they have to uh, uh, look at that defensive front and uh, try to try to get the best player available at eight. It's uh, looking like uh, Bud Dupree out of Kentucky could be that guy right now. Uh, Vic Beasley will be gone. Uh, 
certainly uh, Dante Fowler will be gone. So, um, and they don't, uh, you know, seem to be in the mindset to tinkle Randy Gregory, even though he has a, a huge upside. Uh, maybe Shane Ray's a little bit smaller uh, than what they want to play on the front line, but uh, he's, a, he's a guy who could certainly help, uh, you know, from the outside linebacker position. So Shane Ray, Bud Dupree, and Randy Gregory are the three people who will be available to them at eight. Okay. Um, D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Daryl, I couldn't help but peek into your latest blog and as you go Mach 3.0, which uh, I'm impressed with. Uh, you have the Falcons moving up, maybe even as high as three. Um, how realistic is that, and, and is that based on maybe rumblings that you've heard about a real desire for a guy like Fowler who's going to have to be in the top five? Uh, yeah, because uh, they know that Bud Dupree's not the eighth pick. And, um, you know, so then you have two options. You either go up and get your guy you want, uh, and that would be Fowler. He played for Coach Quinn at Florida. He recruited him to Florida and uh, helped him play early in his career and develop, uh, had a foundation to develop into one of the top uh, pass rushers in the SEC. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can trade up and go get your guy. You can sit there and uh, uh, or maybe trade out of that position, flop back, get some picks and uh, select a guy like Bud Dupree. But, uh, you know, they like the, these people they signed in free agency and they feel that, hey, uh, all they need is that big gun on the line to put Fowler next to Rasheed Hageman. Uh, some of the other guys they signed, maybe they can rebuild the front that way. So we'll have to keep our eye on that. The big factor is what happens with the quarterback. If um, Jacksonville uh, can't get Leonard Williams, uh, because he's going second, uh, then they may want to get out of three. But if both of the quarterbacks go one-two, then Jacksonville will sit on their pick and take Leonard Leonard, Mark, Leonard Williams, the uh, big DN from DND tackles from Southern Cal. So yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And uh, three-five with uh, Dave Caldwell, former uh, GM here, assistant to the GM here in Atlanta. They certainly have a pipeline and have dealt. Uh, with each other in the past. Great insight. Man, oh, man. Hey, Daryl, I guess we're hearing that the NFL schedule is going to come out uh, after we get through the weekend. Um, are, are they going to make the Saints and Falcons kick off the season against each other for the third straight year? Uh, I think uh, that's, yeah, maybe the schedule makers uh, stuck on something there, and uh, I certainly don't mind that. I usually get the season off to a good start, and both of the fan bases seem to get into that. Uh, you know, maybe they give them a reprop this year and push the first game to the middle of the year, let the team uh, see which way they're going. But uh, I'm fine with the opener. I think that's a good way to get it started. I tell you what, nothing like jumping into the fire, that's for sure. We'll see how it all turns out next week. And then, of course, the draft coming up here soon enough. Daryl, thank you very much. I hope that you get a little, little time off here after the NFL draft before it all starts up this summer. Okay, I think I will, and uh, certainly appreciate that concern, and uh, you have a great uh, off-season, too, there, Sean. All right, thank you very much. D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We'll be right back after this.
Pelicans fans. Be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Downloaded today. Racing fans, you won't want to miss the Professional Drag Racers Association Cajun Nationals Pro Mod at Thunder Road Raceway Park in Gilliam, Louisiana, just outside of Shreveport. This exciting event runs April 30th through May 2nd. For more information, visit www.racetrrp.com. And while in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. For additional things to see and do, visit shreveport-bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We're about set to wrap up what has been a very busy but very exciting week on the Black and Blue Report. There's no doubt about that. Game one is tomorrow between the Pelicans and the Warriors. There is a watch party um, starting at 2 o'clock at Manning's downtown on Fulton Street, right there in the Harris Complex. You know what we're talking about, one of our sp favorite spots. Manning's will host the official Pelicans watch party for tomorrow's game. Pierre the Pelican will be there. So will the Pelicans dance team. Swoop Troop as well. They'll be there, of course, to hand out a lot of great prizes, trivia contests, autographed items, and, uh, and a lot more. As far as uh, your libations go, uh, Manning's has said that they'll have half-off wings and a dollar-off pints for the uh, big party tomorrow. Um, it should be fantastic. Tip-offs at 2.30 Central Time. As we mentioned, the game is on ABC. So no, uh, I guess... Pelicans broadcast on television. If you want the local slant, if you want to stay with the home team, uh, your home team, check us out tomorrow on the Pelicans Radio Network. We'll be on the air uh, starting at uh, 2.30 Central with Game 1 of our uh, Western Conference playoff series with the Warriors. Should be fantastic. Pelicans are healthy. They're ready to go. The Warriors obviously roll in here with the NBA's best record, and uh, they get their first two at home at Raucous Oracle Arena, uh, one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. But uh, the Pelicans uh, won last time against the Warriors, took them to overtime earlier this season, and hopefully they can reverse their fortunes uh, in uh, Oakland, a building that they've lost uh, to the Warriors by double digits now on several occasions. All that changes, though. The second season starts tomorrow, and we're excited to bring it to you. We'll also have a black and blue report for you right here from the Team Hotel on Monday as the Pelicans get set for game two of the series Monday night before finally coming home. Our thanks to D. Orlando Ledbetter today of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, and Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors. What a great way to wrap up the week. We hope that you enjoy the weekend and enjoy all the basketball as well as the NBA playoffs begin in earnest with four games tomorrow, including ours. For Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. That'll do it for us here on the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.